Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Haley, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Happy April Fool's Day. Yeah. Are well, I hope. Cheersing? Well, I'm, yes. Yeah, see. The water bottle. Nobody, to me. <laughs> nobody can see, but I'm toasting Haley with my water bottle. And I paused because I just realized that if anybody out there was planning April Fool's jokes on their family, and, and they're all gathered around the radio right now listening because that's... very likely. Very likely. Yes. That's how most people do this and listen to the show early on a Saturday morning. If that's the case, I have just wrecked all of your plans, and I apologize <laughs> deeply from the bottom of my heart for just that. Just wait later in the day. People will forget. Oh, yeah. People forget all the time. I don't yeah. even remember what we started talking about. Exactly. So anyway, happy April Saturday Fools. and all of those things. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore, and we've got all kinds of things planned today. We're going to be focusing on April Fool's Day, just yes. because. It's really fun. We only get to do it once every, well, once every year. And we found out that it's got kind of an interesting history that I would have never even thought to dig into, so I think right. everyone will learn something. Everybody's going to learn. That's the way it is on the Repcolite Home Improvement exactly. Show. We open our mouths and everybody learns, Right. <laughs> learns what not to do. We're going to be talking about April Fool's Day. We're also going to be talking about the color of the year Yes, for 2023. We've, we've talked all... about that, yeah, but we're going to talk about it again because yeah. we've got more information. We've now. got more information. We didn't like it in the beginning. Well, And now Haley has so warmed up to it, she has painted her entire <laughs> interior raspberry blush, right? Yeah. Yeah, they wear blindfolds everywhere they go, but we're going to hear all about that. Seriously, we've got good stuff with that. We're also going to be talking about a really fun quote that I ran into this week. And I'm not going to say much more about it other than give you the quote. The quote is, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. I really like it. Yep. I didn't like it in the beginning. I like where it goes. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that at the end. But right now, let's get to April Fool's Day because... Do you know any of the history behind it? No, I honestly never thought to question it. And I'm really thankful that you looked into it because I think it's actually fascinating. It's really interesting. We run around every year making fun of people, playing jokes on people, pranking people. I shouldn't say making fun of people because that might hurt feelings. You know how people are now. Sort of, yeah. But yes, that's really the bottom line. So one day we can actually pull that off and do it. Lots of hoaxes, stuff like that. But why? Why in the world do we do that? Well, there's a number of different possibilities. You know, nobody's really sure, but there's some really good ideas out there. And the best one, my favorite one, yeah. dates back to 1582 in France. Which is not what I would expect, honestly. What would, would you have expected? Um, I think I would have thought that it was more recent than that. Mm-hmm. And I, when you explain why, yeah, it, makes, it sense. makes sense. Yeah. So but... 1582, here's what was going on. Here's how it happened. Right. France switched in 1582 from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. Yes. Now, all you need to really know about this is that the Julian calendar was being used and it was replaced because it was inaccurate. They didn't have Wednesdays. And it really, no, that's not true. (laughs) That would be really funny. We forgot Wednesday and we've been running this for so long. No, the deal was it wasn't accurate. It It had like a bunch of leap days. It added extra leap days. It just, every four years there was a leap day and it was too frequent. So they switched to the Gregorian calendar finally. Sure. And the Gregorian calendar isn't perfect, but it's much better. And I think when the switch happened, people lost 10 days. Like 10 days were lost in the process. Wow. And we get mad for daylight savings. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? (laughs) 
10 days, gone. But anyway, the switch takes place, but it's not instantaneous, you know, because the world is not connected by the web or stuff like right, that. Right, so it would take a long time. 300 years to get everybody on the same page. Jeez. Yeah. Can be, you imagine it'd trying be really to funny. schedule things? Yeah, if we had switched other calendars in that meantime. I finally get on the Gregorian calendar and, and find out they're, they're on the, the Dan calendar or something. But no, Gregorian calendar, it's what we're on now. It's not perfect, but it's better. Yeah. Anyway. In the Julian calendar, the new year began with the spring equinox on April 1. Which that, I mean, kind of makes sense. Like, yep. you've got a day that's now equal light and dark. That's kind of an interesting, like, renewal. Yep. So that's when new year happened. Yeah. It's just all starting in the Julian calendar. In the Gregorian calendar, Gregorian calendar, it's not easy to say. You're doing great. I am a professional, <laughs> and I've been working at this, but... Anyway, in the Gregorian calendar, the new year is January 1, of course. Right. So anyway, we hit April 1, 1582. The people people who have not adapted to the Gregorian calendar are celebrating. They're running around with their party clothes on. Being ridiculous. Being ridiculous. They've got the little streamer things and that little thing that you put in your mouth and you blow and then it unfolds. What's that one thing? I don't know what they're actually You know what I'm talking about, though? The little paper thing? Everyone knows. They're... <laughs> They're blowing those all over the place, and everybody else who's aware of the switch is just thinking, "Idiots! It's Look not at these people!" New Year's Day, right? So they were called April Fools, right? So there they are celebrating. So everybody makes fun of them. It's very wholesome activity. These people were made fun of, and in fact, it was kind of funny. I thought this was great. They started, you know, they played hoaxes on them, pranks on them, jokes on them, things like that. But they okay. also pinned paper fish on their back. <laughs> Yep, yep. It makes perfect sense. It was said to symbolize a young, easily caught fish, somebody who's really gullible. I think huh. it's the beginning of the of kick the me kick things. Me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Did you ever wear those? I wore a lot of those in high school. No, I was the one that put them on. People. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to be somebody who put one on people, but I could never pull it off. They no, always I don't knew know I was if doing I ever it. I did the kick me, but I'd find other things. You know. Well, you, actually, I've done this to you. I was just going to. Yeah. You did that to me last summer. <laughs> At an event, all kinds of contractors and professional people are there, yeah. and I've got a big sign on my back. Yeah. Everybody was Some laughing. Like flammable sticker. I thought everybody was thinking I was just the life of the party, but in- instead, well, I guess I was. You were. I was the butt of the joke. Let's just make it that way. You so know, anyway. Entertainment's entertainment. Dan. It is. So <laughs> April Fool's goes back, one one idea, goes back to 1582. The switch from the calendar. Right. Okay? That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, other historians connect April Fool's Day with Hilaria in, in ancient Rome. Hilaria was a festival. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly, that's a party I want to be a part of. Right? It's Hilaria. And it was celebrated at the end of March, and it involved people dressing up in disguises, mocking other cit- citizens, even magistrates. They'd make fun of everybody. So no one was off limits. Nobody was off limits. It was Hilaria. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So then we've got that. That's another one. That one goes back to ancient Rome. There are still other historians, those who probably live in Michigan or a a similar climate. (laughs) They speculate that April Fool's Day is connected to the first day of spring Mm -hmm. because in the northern hemisphere, this is when we're all fooled by Mother Nature. We think we're going to get good weather. And then we get what we always get. Which is not spring. Not spring. Not it's nice weather. Still, you know, We're always messed with and tricked. Which is why Dan is going to get the tattoo that says "I, I hate, hate March." March. <laughs> right. I want to remember that next year. I don't want Mother Nature to play an April Fool's joke on me. Right. I like the first one. Yes. The idea I think that's that the calendar switched. Probably the most accurate. But anyway, that's the history of it. That's where it all comes from. 
We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about a few of the great hoaxes. Of all time. April Fool's hoaxes of all time. And that's all just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore, on this April Fool's Day extravaganza. Yeah. Just talked about. I don't think we've ever celebrated April Fool's so thoroughly. No, I'm an April Fool, if ever there was one. And I'm all about <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> anyway, we talked about the history of it. Now let's talk about some hoaxes throughout the years. You know, I've been pranked severely. My dad, that was always big to him to trick us into things and but he did it all year round so yeah i really, was gonna say like your dad was kind of a constant prankster yeah i shouldn't say was he still is yeah, true. you know dad we haven't <laughs> haven't moved past oh we know gosh. you're still with us anyway anyway <laughs> april fools dad lives it all year round yes but lots of things have happened to me but i am stunned at some of the pranks that have happened throughout the years and let's just look at a few of them some of them we'll dig into a little more deeply because they're more funny uh the first one that i've got i don't know that it's terribly funny to me but it's from 1856 and i like it because that means this was happening way back then already right and in that particular instance there was an april fool's prank played by the tower of london the people running the tower of london they sent out invitations on official stationery. It had and, little wax d- seals and everything. Which oh, I yeah. Love, like, so official. Looked very official, and they, they invited the people all around to come for the annual washing of the lions. So weird. Yeah, very weird. Apparently, <laughs> there was a menagerie there, and they did okay. have lions and stuff like that. But so it, it was, was, like, plausible. Well, they, they had left 30 years before. Oh. So really not terribly plausible, but yes, much more so than I was thinking. It's a very strange prank. People still, they put ads in papers and all kinds, and people showed up in droves to be a part of washing the lions. Who wants to wash a lion? And nobody does. They want to watch people wash I don't lions. Want to watch that. Well, <laughs> back then, it was grittier, you know, and True. people needed, yeah, they didn't they have TV. Some... That was their Gore. reality TV right there, right? <laughs> right? The Romans had the Colosseum. Right. Here they washed the lions. That's crazy. Most of us go home after that, but not all. <laughs> anyway, 1856. I thought that was great. 1878. Here's another one. Thomas Edison. And this was in newspapers all over the place. Thomas Edison invents the food machine. The food machine. The food machine. Yeah. Right? He invented the phonograph in 1877. So he can invent anything. He can Nothing do it all. It's... Right? A New York publication puts out on April 1 of 1878 that he's built a food machine that will turn dirt into food and water into wine. I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people ate it up. They bought into it. Newspapers picked up the story and ran with it, congratulating Edison. insane. Oh, yeah. I think it's great. 1878, the food machine. <laughs> 1957. This one's really great. And this one I was aware of. Um, the BBC reported that Swiss farmers, and they had a video that went with this. And we'll put a link in the show notes if you haven't seen it. Most of you probably have. But they reported in the BBC that Swiss farmers were experiencing a record spaghetti crop. And they show people picking, picking spaghetti. noodles. Right. <laughs> off of trees, off of bushes. They're laying them out on the ground to dry, on tables to dry sure. and things like that. And apparently spaghetti was kind of new in the UK. Okay. People, so people bought it. Like, oh, that's where spaghetti comes oh, from. Yeah, you the, just pick it off trees. BBC got flooded with calls from families who wanted disputes settled. You know, the husband says that it's absolutely true. Can you prove it? Oh my God. Here's a great quote from the script. After picking the spaghetti, after picking, the spaghetti is laid out to dry in the warm alpine air. Many pe- 
people are very puzzled by the fact that spaghetti is produced in such uniform lengths. This is the result of many years of patient endeavor by plant breeders who succeeded in producing the perfect spaghetti. That's amazing. It's a great little spot. People bought it. Love that. Let's see here. There's one from 1962. Let's skip that one. It was the idea that you can watch your black and white TV in color by stretching pantyhose over it. Yeah. And there was a run on nylon stockings. Oh, I want to watch in color. Yeah. Um, I love this one. This one's mind blowing to me. The eruption of Mount Edgecombe. This is, yeah, next level. Yep. Sitka, Alaska. In 1974, the people of Sitka, Alaska, awoke to a disturbing sight, black smoke rising from the crater of Mount Edgecombe. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce that, but that's my best shot at it. I think that's it really good. It was a dormant volcano, all right? But now there's black smoke coming out of it. So everyone thinks that it's erupting. It's going to blow. Yeah. Everybody freaks out. Impending doom is raining down on us. Turns out when they investigate, they send helicopters and mm-hmm. scientists and who knows who out there. You know what cost it? Some guy pranked that entire town by making it a volcano look like it was going to blow. He by got putting tires and set them on fire. 70 old tires he dragged there. It took him three years to pull this off. He had this plan for three years. His name was Porky Bickers. Which I think is hilarious. <laughs> That's not his real it name. It is his real name. Porky Bickers. That was part of the prank. I don't know. <laughs> Porky Bickers or Porky Bicker. I don't know, but I like Bickers. I think that's even funnier. Anyway, he and his friends did this three years planning it out for the perfect I mean, conditions. How do you not get arrested for this? That's what I want to know. When you read the story, it's like everybody thought it was just hilarious. Even the responders I can't. Um, it was a whole no. different world. The 70s Cannot were crazy imagine. times. Anyway, faked a volcano eruption. That's I don't think you can good. beat that. Nope. Let's see here. I've got <laughs> an English astronomer in 1976 announced on the BBC yeah. something called the Jovian Plutonian gra- gravitational effect. Well, and, you say enough big words, people right, believe it. Right. <laughs> because of the alignment of these two planets or something, at 9.47 in the morning on April 1 of 1976, the Earth's gravitational you know, the gravity of the Earth right. would be, be disrupted. Yeah. And if you jumped at that exact moment, you would potentially feel like a hovering effect. And yes, they broadcast that. People bought it hook, line, and sinker. They got calls from people all over the place saying, I experienced yeah, it. Yeah, my whole living room started to levitate. One lady <laughs> called and said, we were all just sitting there, and the next minute we were floating. It was amazing. The power of suggestion. It is amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about a few more, just because I've got some great footage and stuff that I want to highlight and get that out there to people. 1992. This one was kind of funny. Uh, NPR ran a spot with Richard Nixon announcing another presidential run. It's going to go again. And, of course, it was an actor, but it really did still catch people by surprise. And And they bought it. Yeah, people suckered right in. Wow, Richard Nixon's coming out of retirement. So funny. Yeah. Um, I really like this one. This has got great footage. You've got to see this video. It's hilariously fun. It's 2008. The BBC... Uh, talks about and shows shows us on right. video yes. in a nature documentary, Flying Penguins. Have you seen this? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, it's filmed. <laughs> in, you know, it's basically camera crews in the Antarctic discovering a, a certain brand, a, a certain a species, breed. Yeah, yes. a breed of penguin. Yeah, species is penguin. The breed of penguin that flies. And the, the guy there, you know, it's filmed like a documentary, like real, very yeah. serious. He's walking amongst and uh, all these penguins, and they're all hopping around and they're flapping their little their little wings or flippers or whatever they are. 
and through the magic of CGI or right. whatever they do, these fat little penguins start bouncing along the ground, and soon they're kind of hopping a little bit, and they take to the air, and they fly to the rainforests. Because oh they gosh. don't they don't want to winter in Antarctic in Antarctica. That's so they another hard go word to, the to say. Rainforest and then they come back oh, yeah. to Antarctica. Not really sure why, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of questions to be raised, but the video is very funny. Just watching the penguins bounce around and they try to take funny. take to the air. Yeah. And then they're just flying like little missiles when they get going. Definitely worth checking out. One last one. The the president of the company, Dan Altina, is really big into this. Yeah. You know, April Fools is he really fun to him. To prank. And he's wanted me for years on the radio to prank people. Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous too because if you don't pull it off, you look like a dope. Right. Like if no one believes it, then it's like well, right. trying to pull. Right. You, you yeah. got to be really smart. And I know my limitations. <laughs> but anyway, one time back in 2019, I ran an ad talking about new paint technology mm-hmm. that we were working on. In the plant in Holland, all kinds of new things mixed into this paint, super technological, super amazing. Yeah. And I told everybody in this little one-minute spot that we were playing on on stations everywhere, I told them that we partnered with Wooster Brush Company to create self-painting robo-paint. All right? So I talked about how the little... Uh, vacuum cleaners. Yeah, like little, little Roombas? Yes, Roombas. How they run around on your floor. Yeah. We are going to release in the upcoming weeks, I told everybody, brushes and rollers that will crawl all over your walls, and cut everything in perfectly. You. Right. If you use this paint with those tools, it's flawless. It's oh absolutely perfect. I thought it was so ridiculous. You know, I it took me three or four tries to even get something written that I thought well, was yeah, reasonable totally. to throw out there. And I knew it was absolutely insane. I threw it out there and didn't think any more of it until the phone call started. We got calls from people <laughs> asking how much the paint was, where they can buy the tools. Oh, my gosh. I could not believe it. And what do you say? I know. How do you how respond you to people? you tell someone that you were just kidding? It was terrible. Yes. Yeah. Because you basically have to say, I can't believe you believed this. <laughs> oh, it's so awkward. <laughs> it was very awkward. I never did it again. But I thought that was great. All of that to say... Be wary today. Yes. If anybody's trying to sell you something, if it sounds too good to be true, today of all days, most likely it is. All right. We're going to take a break, and the Detroit listeners are going to get a Repcolite Rewind from a year ago. It's a really good one. one. And the Grand Rapids listeners, you're going to get news and weather from from today, (laughs) not from a year ago. And then when we get back together, we're going to be talking about Benjamin Moore's color of the year, Raspberry Blush. We've talked about it in the past. But we're going to revisit it. And more more importantly, we're going to focus on what can you do with it? Right. Crazy color. What can you do with it? We'll tell you. And that's all just ahead. Stay tuned. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And right now, Haley, let's talk about Benjamin Moore's color of the year. We have talked about this in the past, and Benjamin Moore released Raspberry Blush back in October. Yes. And then they released a palette of colors, a wide-ranging palette that really was all over the place. They're color trends for the year. They're all very strong colors, very mm-hmm. saturated. I Well, I mean, yeah. No. They're, I was going to say there's a brown, so maybe they're not all, but it's... 
no, there's a lot of color in the thing. There's a lot of color in it. And it's so unusual. It's not what we expected. And especially from Benjamin Moore, honestly. Right. You know, we've gone some from some very conservative color right. choices. And even, you know, not always just conservative choices, but usually the color combinations together. You can see them as colors that you could work around and build a room around. Very, like, literal color palettes. What do you mean by that? Or, like, very literal colors of the year, where I feel like October Mist... Which was it, what kind of a color? You kind of like a sage it. green, and that was last year's color of the year. Yeah. And it had a lot of supporting colors that I felt like were being used a lot. And I still think that those greens are extremely popular this year. And I think that was kind of a literal color of the year palette. Like these are a lot of colors that people are really using a lot in their home right now. And it's a color palette literally in the sense of there's multiple choices where you could see this is, can, can be a sure. trim color. This could be my wall color. This right. could be this color. It's a, a color palette where I can see combinations that will work right. together really well. Very literal in that regard. And then we transition to this year. And you're calling this a figurative color palette. Yeah, because it's really – I would not call it a literal color palette or a literal color of the year. I feel like this is a – it's a conceptual palette and that I think they're just inviting people to go a little nuts with color, like giving us permission to push outside the box because these colors, I would argue, are probably not actually going to be used all that often. Right. I'd be very surprised if more people used raspberry blush this year than they have previously. So I just don't see that happening. Raspberry blush just describe a couple of the colors. I know it's radio and I know it's kind of wacky, but... There's like a pukey green. Um... Okay, I would have chosen another... <laughs> I mean, some people like that. No, you know, If pukey it's green just is like your a... thing... People know what I'm talking about when I say that. <laughs> you know what looks so good with my eye color? Pukey green. Mm -hmm. You should yeah. see me when I'm sick. <laughs> I mean, that is my color. So there's the pukey green. Yep. Then there's... There's like the color that Dan likes to call the Band-Aid color, but really I think it's one of the nicer colors out of the palette. It's kind of like a soft pink conch shell. Yeah. Like I, Haley said it. It's Band-Aid color. You know, <laughs> that's that nice. Reasonable. Some people like that. Then Raspberry Blush itself is there's kind a of a... There's a Starry Night Blue, which is like a extremely saturated royal blue. Um, it's not like a navy, which I can see being used anywhere almost this i would really hesitate probably to ever recommend right yeah and so you you imagine those colors and then how would you describe raspberry blush i never describe it well it's like a really bright a... salmon okay yeah mm -hmm. i did all right on that one i've described it as a sunburn and you always pull up your nose at that but when i've been sunburned that's what it looks like anyway imagine those colors that we described the pukey green and all the other colors you don't picture those as being, oh, my trim is pukey green and my walls are the salmon color. And it's not a color palette like that either. It's so right. it's figurative in multiple ways. You're, yeah. you're saying that you don't see this as literally being, wow, the color of the year that we're seeing all over the Everyone's place. Everyone's using this. Right. Not happening. And neither is it a color palette in the sense of, you, you don't use, use this, this for your trim, use this for your yeah. walls. And these are great On combos ceiling, together. Yeah. It's just a bunch of colors. Right. They're all kind of like... They're 
they're all the stars of the show. Like there's <laughs> there's a lot of competing colors happening. Right. We've talked about that in the yeah. past where we talk about the color of the year, color trends palettes that come from Benjamin Moore. There's the star, mm-hmm. that's the color of the year. There's all these supporting actors right. who lend support, who make the star shine. And in this palette, everybody's fighting to be the star. It's chaos. And, and it's gotten a lot of reactions, I a think. Lot. And that's what we wanted to focus on yeah. here because we've already talked about some of that stuff. And yet... It's a question that comes up all the time when people come into the store. When you're talking about Benjamin Moore, the idea is this is elite color. The the company that really gets color. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like their claim to fame is color. People, you know, obviously the paint is top notch, but color has always been a really big driving factor for the brand. And people are asking questions. You know, what happened here? Now, we're getting a mix. And honestly, as the time has played out, they launched in October right. of last year. And we kind of sat back and watched what happened. And what we've seen over time is kind of what we predicted way back then. We were pretty on it. Yeah. It's really split. There's it's about really polarizing. half of the people who like it and love it. They're they're really all in. And yeah. then there's another half that absolutely detest it. Yeah. Like really extreme reactions. They've just there's no <laughs> there's no middle ground when it comes to this color palette. You're gonna have an opinion about it. Right. We were just at an event where we talked to a ton of designers, and I think it's very interesting because the designer crowd, there's a lot of excitement. And you know, when we read blog posts about color of the year and mm-hmm. they're written by designers and they're all pumped. Lots of those are pumped yeah. about the Benjamin Moore color of the year. And it it was a little not deceptive, but the way I interpreted it when it first came out. I interpreted it wrong, I believe, you know, because I hear them saying that this is a great choice and they're very excited about it. They love the idea of color. And I'm thinking I must just not be connecting. I must not have good taste. Sure. Because these people who work with color all the time. They seem to really like it. They seem to really like it. What am I missing? Well, it turns out in talking to these people and we talked to a bunch of them just recently. Yeah. I think. My misconception is the fact that they work with color all the time. I don't think they get to work with color hardly at all. <laughs> right. We talk to peop- person after person after person who is just so sick of doing white kitchens. I'm and so white- sick of designing white kitchens and white rooms where it's white on the wall and white in the trim. And then it's white subway tile and then it's white countertops and white cabinets. I don't get to do anything. <laughs> right. So when, when Benjamin Moore comes out and says, here's a great direction for new color, they yeah. see all this bright bold color and they're excited right because it's not white it's not boring and all of that so they get all pumped up does that mean they love it i would like to know what their spaces look like in their homes are they coated and just lathered up with raspberry blush did say that she recently put a teal on her wall that was similar to the teal in the color palette and she used what i called the pukey green (laughs) oh no Haley. You didn't say that to her. No. Okay. Now you have. Now I have. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. That was entirely Haley's opinion. Send your messages it's to Haley. It's not a bad green. It's oh, no. Just... It's just pukey. <laughs> it's the good kind of pukey, though, so don't worry. It's the good pukey. No. I. Okay, so they are using it, and that's yeah. great. That's wonderful. But I do think that it is very funny to me. You know, I, my interpretation was that I was missing something. And I think what I was missing is the fact that they're just excited to do something different with color. I completely get that. They're not necessarily excited because these are amazing colors to throw into their spaces. And I think that designers take color palettes in general probably less literal 
than consumers do. And that's where this is really important because yeah. people are missing out. If you're looking at these color palettes and, you know, we're making jokes about it, but it's because we've seen the other side of it. The, yeah. the real value is in what you mentioned right at the beginning. It's giving us an okay right. to step outside the box. Exactly. So it's what is permission that? to use some crazy colors and not feel like you have to use white because I do think that some people use gray or white in their space because they feel like that's what they're supposed to do. And, you know, it's a missed opportunity because it's your space. It should be representing you, not what the masses have okayed. So, so let's, in the last little bit that we've got here, talk somebody through how they look at this color palette. You know, somebody who's quite literal minded like mm-hmm. I am. How do I look at this color palette and make that jump to getting outside the box, but not coating my walls with a color I later will refer to as pukey green. <laughs> you know, how do I do that? What I would just, step? I guess I would just open up the boundaries a little bit for myself by looking at this color palette. It's a suggestion to look at some colors that I haven't considered before. Okay, pink. Not thought about pink before. Are there some pinks that I could use in this space? What room would I use a pink in? That could be cool in a powder room. I mean, I think it just starts opening up some questions a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's how I would first approach using different colors in your space than you're normally used to well, using. Right. The the way I like to look at it, I mean, I love that. I like the angle of we mentioned how Benjamin Moore is perceived as the color experts. Mm-hmm. We don't believe, you and I, I don't think, believe that that has changed Right. Since they've released this color palette. Right. I still see them as they get it. They know what they're yes. doing. Yeah. And if they can throw these colors out and show you rooms with these just over the top tones on the walls. Yeah. If I come up with something that's more muted or a little right. different direction. I can feel a little bit of confidence that I'm not going to be completely laughed out of my home. Right. When I'm done this. I haven't gone way outside of the realm of you know, intelligent (laughs) considerations here. (laughs) Benjamin Moore has done it. They have pushed us in that direction and said, go for it. You don't have to go that far. There are spaces that these colors can absolutely be great in, right? I mean, because they have designed rooms, you know, for their brochures and, you know, content online where you are seeing these really saturated colors in spaces and it does look good. So it ultimately depends on the space and the person. But again, I think it just opens that door. Right. And one other thing, and then we'll wrap it up. I'm always talking about how cheap I am and how, you know, in fact, so many of the segments that we do are built around the idea of let's get the right color so we don't have to repaint very sure. often. Yeah. And that's very practical yeah. and very real, but it's very practical. And practical isn't always considered terribly exciting. <laughs> sure. And, you know, one thing that we don't say enough probably is paint is really easy. It is something that you can redo very quickly and very inexpensively Right. In the, in the grand scheme of things. I yeah, know it's, it's not, not like replacing a granite countertop expensive. Right, right. And so if you really want to try and push outside of the box sometimes and you know do something in a space that will really turn heads or really potentially completely overhaul that space, right. push to some of these colors. And if you hate it, or decide in a year, because that's always my thing. Mm-hmm. What about in a year when I'm not? So what? Well, in a year, then you repaint. I can repaint it. Right. Mom used to do that every third Thursday of 
<laughs> of the month. It felt like our breezeway was a different color. Sometimes we'd come home and wonder if we were in the right house. That's hilarious. It was brown when we left, and now it's orange. What just happened? So it can be done. Anyway, color of the year 2023, kind of just revisiting it. We wanted to see once what we thought after all this time and let you know. Don't what other people are saying, yeah. yeah. Don't completely disregard it. There's some good stuff out there. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about that great quote that I found. If something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Poorly. I love that. (laughs) We'll talk about what it means in just a minute. Stick around. Well, Haley, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. (laughs) How do you feel about that? Uh, I... I wasn't sure how to feel about it at first, but we've talked about it a little bit now, and I actually, I think I've come to love this quote. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore, and that quote, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, mm-hmm. is something I stumbled on on the internet as I was perusing sure. what the world had to offer me. Uh, I'm trying to learn some guitar stuff and heading to YouTube, looking at videos and stuff like that. And this guy comes on and he leads. First thing out of his mouth is, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And I thought, okay, I don't need this (laughs) because I want to get to somebody who's going to help me do it well. Right. And I was interested, though. You know, he really hooked me with that phrase. Mm -hmm. And I rode with him a little bit. And what he was getting at, of course, is if something is worth doing, it's worth plowing through all the time that we're going to spend sounding terrible. Right. Or not doing a great job so we can get to a point where we are really good at it. Yeah. And I loved that idea. So I brought it to you. And the first thing out of your mouth was, oh, yeah, I get it completely because I've quit so many things. Yes. I think that. In my past, maybe probably still, I've been a little bit of a quitter. (laughs) You're still a quitter, Haley. (laughs) Hate to rain on your parade. I just, I like being good at things. You know, it's the perfectionist in me. And so in the past, when I've tried, you know, different sports or like instruments, I tried dancing, you know, all these different things in my life, I thought I had to be immediately good at it or else I just wasn't going to do it because there were other things in my life that I did have a natural affinity for. So I should just be good at things. (laughs) Do you remember the, I think you bought um, little badminton rackets Um, and a little, the little shuttlecock Uh thing. And you were all excited. We were going to have a lunch hour Yep. and we were going to bat the things around and get some exercise outside mm-hmm. and I happen to be better at it than you yep, and you put them away better put them away in the, in the little truck and I've never seen we them again never done that again <laughs> no it's the same thing that's exactly what you're talking about yes absolutely be the best and I, it's not led me to you know <laughs> great things well right probably. and that's what I wanted to ask how do you feel about that I mean I've got plenty of things that I've quit to for the same reason you start sure. working on a story You know, I would write something. I was going to write the great American novel. Uh And I got halfway through and I thought this is garbage. Oh, yeah, totally. And I bailed. I've done that same thing. A lot of regret because I look back and, wow, to build that steam up again, to get moving is pretty tough. Maybe if I had plowed through, it might have been something. Exactly. We've got to fail sometimes in order to get better. Like, you've just got to keep doing it. And those are the people that do get really good or great at things are the people that are willing to just keep practicing no matter what. So how in the world do we take this and apply it to home improvement stuff? I think it's a pretty easy jump, but there are a couple bumps along the way. 
first off, you know, we've seen and Matt, you and I have talked to tons yeah. of people who have said right off the bat, I'm not a handy person. I'm not good at that. I'm not a painter. I'm not this. I'm not that. And they just don't jump into things. Now, sometimes that's no big deal. I mean, there's people who just don't care. I don't need sure. to paint it. I've got the money. I'm going to hire it done. Yeah. But a lot of the people I've talked to, it's been a frustration to them. It's a regret yeah, that they're not good at it. I think we all want to feel good in our homes. We want our homes to feel like ours and have our personal touch on them. And we're so much happier when we do feel that way, when we feel that pride of ownership, that or, things are exactly the way we want them to look or feel. And when you're holding yourself back, not getting to that place, it's just kind of miserable to live in that space then. Right. Now, sometimes it's exactly conceptual, like you said. Sometimes it's extremely practical and it's monetary. You know, I, I would like to be happier in my house, mm -hmm. but I can't afford to have all these people come in and do all this work right. for me. Or when something goes wrong and I've got to bring somebody in, now it's it's really you know stressful on the budget and stuff like that. And yet other people I see just fix it themselves. How do they do that? I think really it, it comes back to this concept. If it's worth doing, and I think we can all agree that a yeah. lot of these things are worth doing, then it's worth doing poorly. Now, I know that it's it, there's a little bit of a bump there. It's not really great to do all your plumbing poorly. Right. I understand that. That's <laughs> we not don't something... want to waste money. Right. But I think you've got to be willing to jump in and sometimes not just do it poorly, but ask the questions to, you know, I guess the way I interpret that sometimes is it's not necessarily that I'm going to just do it bad, mm -hmm. but that I might look dumb along the way. Right. That can still be the, the same kind of an idea. I don't want to have to ask everybody all these questions. A simple mistake, you know, like, OK, I picked the wrong color paint this time. And that was a very simple mistake that so many people make and it doesn't mean that you're not cut out for this it just means that well right i think that's great because how many try again how many people don't quit at that point i've talked to a ton of them who just bailed i did this project the colors were wrong i just don't it's not my thing caroline yeah. from benjamin no, moore yeah, one of our friends we've had her on the show mm -hmm. she said exactly that and you got to encourage people and we try to get back on the bike get back on the horse keep trying and the thing is, yes, it's expensive at times. Sure. Yes, you make mistakes. Yes, it's embarrassing sometimes. Shouldn't be, but we're all human. But, I know yeah, what that exactly. feels like. But if you don't plow through these things, let, let's say it a different way. If you do plow the, through all of that, right. what you're going to end up with a year from now are skills that you've developed that you're mm -hmm. surprised that you have, a house that looks better than you thought it was going to, and a future that looks a little happier because you got all these things you can do. Well, right. And not just things that you can do now, but you can do later again and again and again. You can repaint that room when you get sick of that color. Or you can tackle the kitchen project that you've been holding off on. You know, it's not just this one living room project that you're bailing on. You're bailing on all of the rooms in your house at that point because you've decided that you just can't. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. It's worth plowing through all of that. I think it's good words to live by. I think so. So you're going to quit quitting? I'm going to try to quit quitting. All right. Well, we're going to have to quit for the day, though. <laughs> this is all the time we've got. We're going to have to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.